The leaders of the Hamas terrorist organization are worth a staggering $11 billion. And there are worse things. Workers at a UN agency that is funded by the US celebrated when the Israelis were killed on October the 7th. I'm Simon Constable, and this is Constable Confidential. Joining us tonight is Ben Weinthal from Jerusalem. He is a writer for the Fox News and for the New York Post and the Jerusalem Post, and he's a writing fellow at the Middle East Forum. You are a very busy man, Ben. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me on your show, Simon. Let's let's go with the first one, the $11 billion. That That is an awful lot of money for some people who are leading leading a terror organization. What do we know about this? Well, it's been, you know, it's part of open source information for years that um, Hamas has an office in Qatar, in the um, Persian Gulf country, um, and that three of its leaders are based in Doha um, and they've sort of lived a life of luxury and it's in many ways it's uh, sort of a, a Roman pleasure pit for these three terrorist leaders while the population or at least swaths of the population are struggling to make ends meet and of course there is uh, um, you know some abject poverty or abject poverty I should say in uh, Gaza but it's a, it's a mixed bag in Gaza in terms of the living standard situation. Um, but compared to the three leaders who have amassed a fortune of $11 billion and the population, as I said, that's uh, struggling to make ends meet, one sees the disconnect and the sort of fundamental political and economic corruption of the leadership of uh, this terrorist organization. It, it seems like a, a complete disconnect here. Hamas basically saying that they are representing the Palestinians in Gaza. That's what they seem to be saying. And at the same time, them not living there and having all this wealth that could be used to alleviate any hardships. Is is that how you see that? And is that is that how Israel, Israel sees it? Yeah, I mean, I, that's I think in, in general, most critics of um you know, Palestinian power politics uh, um, view not only uh, Hamas, which is a EU and U.S. designated terrorist organization that controls the Gaza Strip, but also many critics view uh, Hamas's counterpart in in the West Bank, the Palestinian Authority, that rules over that uh, region, um, also is plagued. Uh, with this type of corruption. Um, now, Hamas is obviously in a different league because they're benefiting from one of the wealthiest countries in the world, uh, an Islamist regime in Doha um, that uh, has, you know, $450 billion, I think, in its, uh, its uh, wealth fund um, to play with and can, can continue to... Uh, fund uh, not only the leadership of Hamas in Doha, but also, as we've talked about on your show, um, Hamas's uh, military and terrorism empire in the Gaza Strip and help pay 
for the the massacre that took place on October seventh, uh, and uh, resulted in the the murder of uh, fourteen hundred people, and now we know there are two hundred forty two hostages uh, in in the Gaza Strip, many of whom are foreign nationals, British hostages. There are French hostages, um, and of course, Americans in other countries. One of the things that's very interesting with your report, which is in the New York Post, is that Qatar is an, a country that is seen as a friendly, non-NATO country. Now, that, that is very interesting to me, given everything that you've said. Now, you've got a little scoop about a Tennessee congressman. Can you tell us that? Sure. A, a freshman congressman from Tennessee, Andy Ogles, a, a Republican, um, is going to propose legislation that would strip Qatar of its major non-NATO ally status of the U.S. if uh, Qatar does not uh, um, evict the Hamas leadership that resides in Doha. So President Biden uh awarded Qatar a very uh, generous uh, prize in many ways. He said that Qatar is a major non-NATO ally for the United States. But at the same time, critics are now pushing for Qatar to be labeled a state sponsor of terrorism so that Americans can sue Qatar in U.S. courts because of their role in financing Hamas and kidnapping uh, American citizens and murdering American citizens. That is their their financing of uh, Hamas. Um, now the U.S. would oppose that, the Biden administration. But you can see that the there is a, a, a there are countervailing forces which were non-existent um, for many years that are now urging that Qatar be uh, labeled a state sponsor of terrorism, but also be stripped so stripped of its NATO uh, non-NATO membership. And that is that like some other principalities in the Middle East? I'm, I'm thinking of Saudi Arabia, which has a very strong U, U.S. link to it in terms of defense. Right. Saudi Arabia is not a non uh, a major non-NATO ally. Australia is, for example. Um, and uh, countries that were not originally part of the, the, the NATO pact that was established after World War II to, to, to prevent the spread of Soviet uh, communism and uh, a, an absorption of Western Europe by the, for, the now defunct Soviet Union. But the fact that Qatar state, is, as I said, who's also, and Americans forget this, um, protected and hid the mastermind of the 9-11 terrorism attacks, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who's currently being held in Guantanamo Bay in the late 90s, is strikes me as a very questionable choice to be awarded this type of a status uh, from NATO. And the other the other reason I think critics of Qatar's regime want Qatar punished right now is um, many Israeli counterterrorism experts and also uh, counterterrorism experts in the U.S. argue that Qatar is the gateway to securing the release of the hostages. And enormous pressure should be imposed on Qatar to secure the release of the hostages, because um, in that memorable phase, phrase that I quoted on your program from Miguel Carmon, he argues Hamas, Qatar is Hamas and Hamas is Qatar. 
And there is a lot of uh, there is a plausible argument I, I see from these folks who say if you put Qatar's regime in a vice and threaten to uh, decouple them from NATO as a non-major uh, ally, if you threaten to move the CENTCOM, America's largest military base, from Qatar to the UAE or Saudi Arabia, that would animate Qatar to secure the release of the 242 hostages because the country is so fragile. Without an American base or American protection, the country is vulnerable to collapse or an attack from one of its uh, neighbors that views it as, uh, as an adversary and at times an enemy. Well, we shall see if the Tennessee congressman gets anywhere with that bill. I wish him the best of luck. Separate story you've done, which is fascinating and horrific at the same time. Employees at a U.S.-funded U.N. agency celebrated the massacre on October the 7th. This is horrific. Celebrating the killing of people is is certainly something I can't understand. But tell us more about this. What, What agency is it? And uh, what is going to be done about this? Right. The agency is called UNRWA. It's a UN-funded agency, and it's designed solely to um, take care of um, so-called refugees from uh, the war, Israel's War of Independence in 1948, after uh, Arab states attacked Israel. Instead of agreeing to a two-state solution at the time, all the major Arab states that are on Israel's borders launched um, a war against the the nascent phase of the rebirth of the Jewish state. And uh, many Palestinians fled, and they fled to other countries, uh, Jordan and and, uh, Syria and Lebanon, and and, and in the West Bank and Gaza, so the UN created this its own agency just to uh, deal with these refugees. But the problem is the agency has, according to many critics, perpetuated the conflict because it has not sought to resettle the refugees in Lebanon and integrate them into uh, their countries as we've experienced with other refugees after World War II when Germans who were living in what is now part of uh, the Czech Republic or Poland were ethnic Germans were forced to f- flee back to Germany. Uh, Germany did not uh, 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 claim that these are uh, refugees who need to be resettled back into t- a territory in Poland and and the uh, and the, and Czechoslovakia at that time and carve out a, a new area that's just for German citizens. But in the Palestinian case, it's a, it's a giant anomaly that's created all sorts of problems. And what happened is, after the once the war started on October seventh, an organization called Impact SE in London monitored all the Arabic uh, or many of the Arabic social language social media posts from teachers. UNRWA pr- provides education, provides healthcare, it has all sorts of services that it provides to the Palestinians. And for at least fourteen teachers celebrated the massacre of. Uh, 1,400 people in southern Israel. Let me interrupt it. Isn't it traditional to believe that a lot of teaching is done by by the students following the example of the teachers? So if the teachers are celebrating the murder of 1,400 people, 
won't that be something that the students are learning from those teachers? Exactly, and that's been that's been an ongoing uh, problem, Simon, for years. In fact, for decades, that not only are the many of the teachers who are based in UNRWA schools in the Gaza Strip and the West Bank are promoting uh, jihadi, violent jihadi ideology, uh, terrorism, and lethal anti-Semitism, and also anti-Western ideas in general um, that are, you know, contrary to the ideas of feminism or LGBTQ rights. But the school curriculum or curricula is many of the textbooks are contaminated with the worst forms of uh, anti-Semitism and hatred of Israel. So this, this so-called uh, UN agent or this UN agency that's supposed to be neutral and free from this type of um, discrimination is actually for many critics, a major part of the problem and it's impeding um, some type of uh, a peace agreement between the Palestinians and uh, Israelis. And I should note that the study that I reported on, it's, I think uh, it's over 100 pages, also uh, showed based on a certain amount of methodology that at least 100 of the UNRWA teachers uh, who graduated, excuse me, 100 of the students who graduated from UNRWA schools who are now adults uh, participated in the terrorism attack against Israel. That is, they received UN educations. And there is a kicker here that is really quite atrocious, that the U.S. is the biggest funder of the United Nations. And that means a lot of money is coming from the U.S. to support this agency, which is spreading hate among young people. Hate enough for, like you said, a hundred of the, of the, the students who graduated going off to become terrorists. That seems horrific to me. Do you think the funding will be pulled fairly shortly? I don't. The U.S. currently funds UNRWA with since, excuse me, since Biden re-entered UNRWA a few years ago, because during the Trump presidency, uh, the Trump administration pulled the plug on UNRWA funding, largely because of the reasons I cited. UNRWA teachers um, promoted terrorism and lethal anti-Semitism and anti-Western ideology in their classes, and also UNRWA buildings and uh, schools were um, hosting Hamas terrorists, and there were rocket launchers, launch sites found at different UNRWA schools. Um, and there's simply no real quality control. That's what the Trump administration argued. And and, and then Biden rejoined and pumped, uh, has pumped at least a billion dollars into UNRWA over the last few years. Uh, it's the largest amount of aid money that the uh, U.S. government currently provides. And uh, what the U.S. government, the State Department told me in their response to my press query was, if there are uh, cases of misconduct or, you know, support for um, Hamas, um, these contradict the guidelines. And, um, you know, we will insist that UNRWA take action against these, you know, bad actors but at the same time, the Biden administration and the Secretary of State Blinken, who just met uh, with the uh, UNRWA um, chairperson, have praised the, the organization's work. So I don't see it, uh, any effort on the U.S. administration to discontinue funding or limit funding in order to punish 
UNRWA with a view toward influencing and changing its behavior? Or do I see any changes coming from Germany, which is one of the big funders, or Japan, or any of the other European countries that pump significant uh, dollars into the coffers of UNRWA? Do you think that will come back to haunt these these political leaders in in those countries that like you mentioned the, the the US, UK, Germany, etc. Um it's hard to say. I mean it certainly, you know, it depends on whether the, uh during elections whether this UNRWA issue becomes a, a lightning rod issue in terms of um criticism from, in this case, President Biden's opponent. Um, and, you know, it could be an election lightning rod issue in the United States and other countries. My sense is, with maybe with the exception of Great Britain, I sense it won't become a lightning rod issue because uh, many of these countries, there's just a general consensus that we need to keep pumping money into UNRWA because we want to um, sort of, you know, follow the pro Palestinian line and not really implement checks and balances or any any real sorts of uh, robust accountability into the process. Um, and, and that, again, this goes back, UNRWA has been around for, um, we're now talking, um, you know, over what, 70 years, I believe. So it, it's, it's a very embedded uh, institution that's uh, seems to be able to insulate itself from any type of real uh, reform. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Thank you very much. Ben Weinthal, writing for the Jerusalem Post, the New York Post, Fox News, and he's a writing fellow at the Middle East Forum. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and that's it.